Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 162. We are your hosts, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Welcome back, guys. Here we are recording another episode. We're in the 60s, 160s. We're getting up there on the 200s. We're very, very excited. And guess what, everybody? It's almost September. That means it's pre-Halloween. <laughs> Pre-Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> you see, some people start celebrating Christmas early. Sarah starts celebrating Halloween early. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so excited, guys. I got, um, so I wanted to do a whole Nightmare Before Christmas theme. Um, so I actually went to Goodwill today and got uh, a red uh, shirt, a red man's shirt, like a red slash magenta shirt because i'm going to build a uh, jack skellington like the scarecrow one at the beginning of the movie where his uh, uh pumpkin head catches on fire i'm oh, gonna wow. uh, i'm gonna use uh, i don't know if you guys are familiar with there are some light bulbs that you could screw on and when you turn them on they project they're making out of leds but they look like fire so oh. i'm going to totally do that um inside the pumpkin head which is i already bought it it's made out of styrofoam that you could actually cut into i got it at joanne's it was 40 percent off and uh <laughs> so i'm really excited about that um so i also am buying every week or every time i get paid i go to sam's or costco and i buy the big size candy bars like the normal size candy bars because i want to be the freaking cool the the beloved house yes <laughs> the, the awesomest house ever so the right now i got house on the block yes so right now i have um sour skittles and i also have reese's peanut butter cups next time i'm gonna buy the um what is it called? The Snickers. So I'm going to be so cool, man. I'm so excited. I mean, what you just did, the robot and the words you said do not go together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And you know what I also do? I also build the altar of the Day of the Dead. So when the trick-or-treaters come they and they open the door, they always check it out and stuff. And I, I actually dress up like La Catarina with like my halo and the flowers and oh, the makeup. Yeah. And so a lot of the times the kids are like, oh, my God, I love your outfit. And they take pictures with me. That's oh, so that's cool. cool. I know. I feel like I feel like my own tiny Comic Con in my home. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we live in a house, um, I was thinking, oh, we're going to get trick or treaters now because we've always lived inside of an apartment where the door didn't there was no access from the outside. But because it's our anniversary, we're never home. We're always off doing stuff, having dinner or, or last year we went to Long Beach. Yeah, Long Beach to some winery that had an event. It was a lot of fun. So we're never home. And by the time we came home, it was already too late for trick-or-treaters. So we didn't, get any. we didn't get any. So yeah. we'll see. <laughs> so where we lived um, uh, before, um, it was in a like pretty residential area. And it was well known for like having a lot of like trick-or-treaters and stuff like that. So we like all dressed up and stuff like that. And there was a lot of kids passing by and we like handed out like candy and stuff like that. Oh, that's so, fun. Yeah. And like um, uh, Ruth loved throwing parties. So she would throw a Halloween party. 
and that's what she did uh, that time too. And it was a lot of fun. And now we're in downtown San Jose. Mm. I don't know if we're going to get any trick-or-treaters, but I hope we do because I do love Halloween and I love like giving out candy and stuff like that. Mostly because it's like that is some fond childhood memories for me. So I'm just like, I would like to participate in that. Yeah. Cool. Oh, that's so cool. I'm so excited. We're all excited about <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> all right, guys, now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. Kristen, what <gasps> do you have for us today? Yes. So I don't know if um, you listeners out there have heard some really sad news. I'm not actually sure when it happened, but I remember seeing it within the last couple of weeks that actress Michelle um, Nichols, who was the actress who played Lieutenant Uhura Uhura on the original Star Trek series, passed away. But that's not the cheesemen. The cheesemen is that apparently before she passed away, she set up um, plans so that she uh, could have her ashes launched into space to the moon and hell yeah yes and that is set to happen on december 22nd but she is not taking the um the trip alone nay nay she is going to actually be on this rocket ship with none other than the creator gene roddenberry uh, as well as james duhan uh, or Duhan, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, who's the uh, actor who played the original Scotty on the original series. So, um, and it looks like there's another um, Roddenberry, Ma- Majel, Mahel Roddenberry, who played Nurse Chapel. They're all going to be on that rocket. What's going to be um, United, Launch- United Launch Alliance's uh, rocket, and it's called the Vulcan Centaur. They're all <gasps> nice! going so cool. to be on that rocket and then they're going to be um, launched into space towards the moon. So I thought that was really awesome um, and such an amazing legacy to all of them who did such great things for um, space and sci-fi uh, media. So um, Godspeed, all of you. To the moon. <laughs> <laughs> that is so co- Live long and prosper. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, on, on another plane of existence, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I heard this. I mean, don't quote me. I don't know exactly like the full story, but I remember hearing that um, uh, the actress was about to quit Star Trek and to pursue like other inde- acting endeavors. And then um, she had an encounter with uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And mm-hmm. he said, you know what? It's so amazing for me. He actually was a Trekkie. So he said, it's so amazing for me to turn on the TV and see you on the show. Like it means so much to me and it means so much to a lot of people. And so that's why she didn't quit the show. Yeah. So, something on on, on that, uh, uh, that kind of type of conversation. But I was just like, that is... Oh my God. I mean, I would pee my pants. I would be like, <laughs> like, wow, this such an honor. Such yeah, oh my God. Definitely. That was just an amazing. I had a chance to go up and talk to her, but I got I I gotta say I was so starstruck. And you guys know how nervous I get. I I, <laughs> I didn't I didn't approach her and I regret Aww. it. I regret it. Um and then I would have pictures with two uh, Star Trek characters um oh, actors. That's right. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, George Takei, I, I did go up to talk to him and took pictures with him. But uh, yeah, I regret not having done it with her. So, But anyway, that that's a freaking great cheese. It's wonderful. I love it. Love every bit of it. All right, guys, now it's time for On My Radar. And this is Sarah. And On My Radar, I've been watching this guy named Mr. Ballen. That's Mr. And then it's B-A-L-L-E-N. And he's pretty much on YouTube, TikTok. Um, where I watch him is on Facebook Watch. And um, he basically does storytelling, but of dark and sinister and creepy stories. And he's really a really great narrator that I put him on in the background while I'm working. And I, man, I'm just so like so jazzed about it that i just didn't not realize people disappear off the face of the earth like <laughs> out of nowhere like what the so like these stories are so amazing and like Incredible. just like really weird stuff that happened to people like encountering like cults and like he's just really good at storytelling i mean he really gets you like really um it, it's just like it just made me realize how much i love storytelling not not myself as storytelling but being told stories yes like, I, know, I know we watch movies and i know we we read books but there's got there, there has to be something about like somebody who really paces a story really well and gets you so like it emotional about it and gets you all into it so that's that's what's on my radar so if you want to check it out and get in the halloweeny mood i really recommend you check it out if you want like little snippets at one time you can go on his tiktok if you want a longer version you can go on the youtube but if you want a short like five to ten fifteen minute version you, you you can watch him on facebook watch that's on um that's what's on my radar what about you Kristen? what's on your radar so what's on my ra my radar is a new comic book by scout comics and it is called meta standing for um meta linguist <laughs> i was gonna say meta linguista Meta Linguistic Crime Division. And the interesting thing about this book, um, other than the topic, which is super interesting, is that it is a completely Brazilian creative team. So definitely a Latinx um, property. But Marcelo Sorava, Andre Freitas, and Omar Vinole, which um, are all involved in this project, are all from Brazil. And so... Their book basically is about a crime division that is tasked with investigating crimes related to fourth wall breaks. So what? this story takes place. That sounds interesting. Yes. This story takes place in a world where it is normal to cross back and forth between a lot of different kinds of media, TV, um, podcasts, uh, um, movies. And, of course, comic books. So some of the things that the Metalinguistic Crimes Division are um, investigating are characters killing their authors. Oh, um, wow. Authors trafficking wow. their characters to be sex workers in the real world. <laughs> actors morally abusing characters that they play. Real people illegally settling in cartoons so as to never age again. <laughs> um, so that's kind of just like regular stuff that is happening. And the first um, book actually um, kind of 
has a murder mystery that is that unfolds within the first issue. And since the Metalinguistic Crimes Division patrols the borders between our world and all of those many universes um, of comics, cinema, games, theater, literature, and other narrative media, um, they are called to come and figure it out. So we have in the first issue, not only this murder, but also the main character who is a, um, he's a, he's a wannabe writer who really sucks. His um, sister is a very uh, successful comic book writer. And he's trying to basically get her to like open doors for him. And she's like, "Mm, sorry, but you suck. (laughs) (laughs) But there's something between the brother and the sister, um, not between them, but there's there's something going on with them that um, the reader in this first issue realizes that there might be something a little bit more to their past and things going on that make it so that they actually are one of the only other people in the room when the murder happens in um, other than the metalinguistic crime division people who can actually see things that other people can't. So the first issue was so good. Um, And the thing about this book is that um, Scout, uh, which is a very small, new on the scene publishing company. And when I say new, I'm going to say within the last 10 years, Um, probably even less than that. Um, They are trying this new thing where they release the first issue And then the very, there is no second issue. The very next thing that comes is the entire first story arc of the story in a trade paperback. Oh, that's awesome. Or the entire story, depending on how they want to do it. And that's how they did Soulstream. Um, Saida's uh, book that we reviewed and really loved. It was a a YA uh, all ages book. They released the first issue um, for free for people and then uh because we had some was it even free or did i just give it away for free i don't remember (laughs) 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 they released the first issue and we had some in the in the shop and i just gave it away because i thought it was such an amazing thing i wanted to get that thing into the hands of all the young girls that came into the store um so i would just give it to them but um and then the next thing that came out was the entire book um uh, and there might be more soul stream coming. So not to say that it's the whole story, although that whole first story arc wrapped up nicely in that first book. Um, so that's something that scout is, uh, kind of trying out. And I read that first issue and to be honest, it intrigued me so much that I'm kind of happy that that's going to happen. Cause I'm looking forward to seeing how the whole first story arc kind of plays out. I like that though. That's, that's a really great plan. Cause a lot of the times yeah. that's one of the reasons like, um, for instance, collecting individual issues, it's kind of difficult sometimes. And sometimes the writers or the c- creative team take on other activities or duties yep. that there's a pause in the storyline. And then you're like, you know, yep. everybody, we're talking about you. Yes. Saga, <laughs> we are talking about you. Um, yeah. And uh, so I'm very, yeah, well, there's, Definitely a lot of data out there to support what you're saying, Sarah. And there's a lot of um, supporting data that shows that specifically indie readers um, are more uh, apt to wait for the trade, quote unquote, than to yes. buy single issues. Yeah, that's very true. It's it's sad, but true. But it's just the ever-changing market and evolution of comic books. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I... I mean, and now we're seeing digital, like that's a new thing that's just 
been implemented just in the within the last what 15 years so like yeah. it's ever changing and um i'm i'm excited to read it you know what mm -hmm. i don't know like i feel like if i try to read this i'm gonna be so lost <laughs> but it's really <laughs> intriguing i mean it's just on a different level that's that's really that's got to be a creative yeah every once in a while i say to myself how many times have i read this story in many different iterations in a comic or even a tv show seen it or a movie or whatever but this is so unique that it, it really uh caught my eye and to be honest reading the first issue i was a little lost and i had to google what it was about and once i googled <laughs> what it was about, i was like oh that makes so much more sense now yeah and so um i'm <laughs> I, I cheated um, but, um, but even though i didn't know exactly what was going on it really grabbed me and i i finished the issue thinking oh my gosh this is so great i really liked this even though i didn't know everything that was happening so um the concept let yes. myself talk. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. that is what is on my radar. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls out there in listening <gasps> land, it is that time again. What time is it, girls? <laughs> <laughs> es la hora de la cervecita. Oh, my pan is so sweaty and yes. hot and juicy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, That's yes. one way to describe it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the last two episodes, we did not have Laura de la Cervecita because I hadn't gotten together. But now we are all drinking the same beer. And what are we drinking today, girls? Oh, my goodness. I have to turn on my 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 phone light because it's so dark in here. I sat down when it was light, but now it's getting darker and I couldn't read the can. <laughs> so today we are drinking Don't Stop Me Now. But what? Who's trademark brewing from Long Beach? Oh, in Long Beach. Okay. Yes. And the reason I'm the one who picked this one out, and I picked it out because rainbow flag. So that means this beer is gay now. Uh, yes, that's what that means. Uh, and so uh, the art is by Sea Wolf. Uh, they have it right here. And Don't Stop Me Now is a hazy IPA. And it has the descriptions of fruity, juicy, and fabulous. Ooh. I don't know how that tastes like, but <laughs> sounds promising. So it says right here, the Long Beach Pride Tower will shine again as our sunny beacon of openness and inclusion. This beer celebrates the bravery and resilience of the all LGBT who thrive in the face of challenge. Happy Pride. No, and it says Hoppy Pride. Oh, oh Pride. Yeah. <laughs> I like nice. it. Yes. Pride. Yes. So this is, it has some other numbers on here that I don't know. All I know is the 7.2 ABV. Excellent. And I love the rainbow and the over it is the like lifeguard tower. I love it. It's so beachy and so pride. I love it. Mm -hmm. and it smells I'm, so good. Oh, I got to open mine. <laughs> I have to open mine too. Oh, oh, it's it smells amazing. It does. It smells very fruity. It smells like an IPA. <laughs> oh my god, it tastes so good. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we actually have a new rating scale. Dun so dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. dun 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 dun. Finally. 
<laughs> yes. Um, I've been really lazy and not pouring my drinks into my stemware and I have a lot of it, but oh, it's just that I, I know I I never do. I'm Ooh. very lazy too. I'm so glad that Jen did pour it into her stemware because it's really, really hazy. It's very like a thick, it is. It's like a thick orange cloudy kind of consistency look. It looks great though. Yeah. Um, anyway, it doesn't I, have any little bits floating in it either that I can see. <laughs> nice. <laughs> mm. So as the girls are taking their first, second, third sips, um, I will share our new five-point rating scale with everybody. Yay! Um, we are just to just to kind of go back to um, our our initial and why we are changing. Um, our initial scale and then while we're changing, I really, um, I really enjoyed our scale, but also, um, it was, it revolved around a phallus. It revolved around a peen. It, it was, um, scale, scale ratings, um, describing certain stages of erection of the penis and, We've done it for many years, and I was just like, you know, I really liked it, but I also really feel like we need to do something that is not male centric because we're we are a woman led podcast. Um, we highlight Latinx presence, but also women in the industry, and that is our goal. That is our mission, and it kind of like it. It didn't defeat our purpose and mission, but it kind of wasn't in line with it. Yeah, so, it kind of made light of what it is that we're trying to do. Yeah, so we went back and forth, back and forth. We tried a few other kinds. I actually have our old scale here. It's uh, one finger, two fingers, three fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Hand to yes. mouth. Uh, <laughs> this. I mean, we tried yeah. it. We tried yeah, it. Yeah, we tried and then uh, always try something once. <laughs> yes. So this actually is kind of a little bit more generic, but also could be very, um, could go, could work in a lot of different situations. So um, our one to five rating scale with one being very unsatisfied and very unsatisfied is like literally you got no oral play at all mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just stuck it in there uh and then a b number two two of five would be just okay unsatisfied they tried but mm, <laughs> unsatisfied um three out of five is neutral so like maybe i'll give it another shot like it wasn't bad it wasn't good but like there's some potential then four <laughs> out of five is satisfied um like hey this was i mean I i'm i'm not mad at it this was like good uh and then five out of five <laughs> is very satisfied we did it here we did it there we did it like this we did it like that multiple orgasms very satisfied <laughs> you're getting a text in the morning i don't care if it looks needy okay so <laughs> but also we decided to also keep flaccid under 
very unsatisfied if it's just <laughs> yes just yes just get in out homage. of homage yeah <laughs> in homage yes and, and we're also keeping super saiyan yes and also if it is off the scale we're keeping super saiyan very comic book centric related mm-hmm. and um it worked and i always liked that actually it was my first introduction to what that even meant so <laughs> it has a place in my heart <laughs> <laughs> yes so having said that and having drank the beer this is sarah i'm gonna go ahead and start with the uh actual rating um i love the can art it's really great i love that they have a local artist who created the can art sea wolf at sea wolf so um i love that i love uh, supporting local artists um and I got to say, it, the beer is freaking refreshing. There is uh, a lot of flavor. There's a lot of like uh, fruit flavor behind it. I dare say some pineapple, maybe some peach. I don't know, but it's definitely it's de- and some citrus in there. I'm really loving the taste. The aftertaste is a little bit more bitter after about maybe three or four sips. Um, it's delicious uh, cold, uh, definitely cold. Uh, I, I still haven't had it room temperature, but so far I'm very, very I'm I'm very satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, so I I had mine out for a while. Uh, so it's not it's not hot, but it's definitely not cold anymore. Yeah. But really surprised by how good it is. Oh, it's good. very it's very fruity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 okay, I can say. It. Um, uh, and it's it's pretty it's for an ipa it's that makes it feel like pretty refreshing on this like pretty hot day so uh i I like it it's pretty good so one two three four or five out of five jen i'm gonna go with a five actually Oh, like very yeah. satisfied. I'm very mm. satisfied with it. So, Anything, anytime something like catches me off by surprise, and usually I I will admit most IPAs, or at least some of the ones that we drink, do catch me off guard because I expect a certain taste. Um, um so that might be skewing it a little bit in its favor because I didn't end up liking it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um who knows? Maybe it could be a four, <laughs> but I'm going to go with a five. Okay. So this is Kristen and I'm in the same situation as Jen in that um, I had it out here for a while. The can was very sweaty and uh, headed towards room temperature. It wasn't hot, but it was not cold um, right out of the refrigerator. So I would be interested to know what that uh, did to my rating. Um, There is a lot of flavor. There is no overpowering, overbearing, hoppy aftertaste at all. I didn't even get it after two or three um, drinks. And I can taste a lot of the uh, flavors that you were saying, Sarah. But with all that being said, they're very muted to me. And I don't know... um, not watery, but definitely not as powerful as some of the other beers that we've had as far as flavor goes. And maybe it that maybe my rating would change up to a five um, if I drank it cold and that make might make a change. But I'm going to go with a four. I'm satisfied. I am not 
very satisfied, but I can see how if they just listened to my instructions and did it right there, just like I said, uh, <laughs> that, that uh, I could be very satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm really loving our new rating. We're having a lot of fun with it. But yes, guys, that was our beer rating and review. And it's it's a really great introduction to this uh, to this brewery that we hadn't had before. So I'm really excited that this was our intro to this specific brewery in Long Beach called Trademark Brewing Company. And that has been our beer review. All right, guys, it's time for our book review. Jen, what are we reviewing today? So today we are reviewing another book that I kickstarted, uh, and it is called The Women in the Woods and Other North American Stories. Uh, we've actually reviewed, uh, so this is, on the bottom it says, A Cautionary Fables and Fairy Tales book. Um, and it's uh, published by Iron Circus. And um, um, we have actually reviewed a previous style of book like this before. Mm-hmm. It was... Um, uh, the girl with a skull. Um, yes. Yes. And so this is actually a series. And I was looking on uh, the Iron Circus uh, website, which I have pulled up right here. And they actually have, um, uh, they've published quite a, lot of, uh, quite a bit of other books. And they're actually raising or doing a Kickstarter now oh, for nice. their sixth. Yeah, I think there's six set of this, and it's going to be their last one. And this one is South American Stories. Oh, um, wow. Yes. yes, I'm into so, that. Let's do it. I I am super into it as well, and uh, I will get more into it uh, for our, or I guess, well, I'll get into it later. Yes. But this one was uh, on Kickstarter, and the little synopsis that we have right here is Trickster Rabbits. Rougarou, shapeshifters so frightening you shouldn't speak their name. That's just the start of this collection of folklore from the indigenous people of North America retold in comic form. This fifth volume of the Cautionary Fables and Fairy Tales graphic anthology series is a thrilling, funny, and totally unexpected take on stories spanning North America, with loads of traditional stories from indigenous nations such as the Taino, Navajo, Odawa, and more. So... Um, I remember, uh, they kickstarted this, uh, and then they got enough that they were able to also do, like, um, uh, prints to be, like, done on the retailer, and they got, um, uh, I think you can go order it off of Diamond now. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So, the cover for it, too, is also what really grabbed my attention because it's all in blue and it has um, uh, a Native woman in traditional uh, wear and she's dancing on top of a turtle or a twelve, yeah. one of the two. So I, I really, really like the imagery that they use and all of the creators in this book are Indigenous uh, folks. Yes. So... I there's a lot of stories here and like with the girl uh with a skull they are they're either like straight up uh like comic book adaptations of the story of traditional Native American stories or they've been adapted to fit into a more modern setting. My favorite one is the one that the story takes titular um uh, title from. I'm looking for it here in uh, Which one I'm sorry? Page. 
the story The Woman in the Woods. Oh, uh, yeah. By Mercedes Acosta. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mostly because as I was reading it, it was uh, it was really beautiful. And I was definitely getting some, like, sapphic vibes from it. And I was just like, and it was kind of sad, too. Like, that ending was really sad, too. And you can kind of uh, see, like, kind of where the story goes and uh, how it... Uh, it was basically, it starts off with a, a grandmother telling uh, her granddaughter to be careful about um, uh, things that are in the woods, to be mm. careful in the woods because everything that's human is not human. Uh, right. And the trees are not really trees all the time or something like that. Yeah. And so she ends up befriending. Uh, this woman in the woods and she becomes like her friend possibly loving possible love interest yeah or not entirely sure but then you know like life gets in the way and she like she gets married she um, um she has children of her own and then she's telling that same thing that her grandmother had told her to her own children or grandchildren and you get the sense that this is repeating again so like you can tell like that this story keeps happening to this family and i'm like oh that's kind of bittersweet and like it's like it's romantic but also kind of sad yeah and i'm just like oh I, so i really anything that's romantic and sad immediately has my interest <laughs> like, yes <laughs> Yeah, I actually love that story as well. It's uh, it's eight stories in the whole book, and this one is, is uh, story number six. And um, I love just the sensation of the family, like talking to each other and you know conversating and commiserating. And I love how like there's some like knowledge from the older um, the older grandmother where she she tells them there are things in the world that love us as we love them. And then another line that I really loved was there are things waiting for us to return and learn again who we are and that really got me in the feels and this story in particular i really like because there was some spanish in it mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm thinking this is a dino story mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. um i really really liked it i i i, I love the art too the art was amazing um and it, it was just a kind of a beautiful like bond between like a human and a spirit of the lady in the, in the woods and i just thought mm -hmm. that was beautiful um I, I really enjoy those stories too. And I think that a lot of people forget that, um, that, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? South and Central America. Well, not Central, I guess, but South America. No, not South America. Central That's Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> so Mexico is Central America. <laughs> okay. So yeah. there. Okay. But that, that was here. One. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And we, um, our ancestors are indigenous to this land and we don't have a lot of um, claim to that. Uh, in uh, a lot of people don't see that or think about that. Um, and reading that story made me remember that like we, our ancestors were in here and were pushed out and killed and raped and pillaged as well and um that's also one of the reasons why i really enjoyed um henry's story about the yaki tribe because yes. that is totally uh uh 
bringing light to that fact. And so um, I really liked that story too, for that reason. Right. Right. Um, I really, um, when you backed it and you told us we could read it, that was on the drive and I opened it and right away, the art was so striking. Each story yes. has a different artist and obviously a different writer, but they, the art was just so amazing. Just throughout the book, there were really some talent throughout these stories. It was really amazing. Um, there, I got to say something. I watch Reservation Dogs on Hulu, mm -hmm. and there's some language in this book that I recognize from Reservation Dogs. And it just feels so good to me to like be able to access these stories that are being told by other people that I can learn from and relate it to other media with those people so mm -hmm. reservation dogs is obviously it's in a reservation it's native americans and uh, of different tribes this last episode was about different tribes coming together in a in kind of like a convention and then reading this this comic book and recognizing some of the wording and some of the language in it i was just like i felt like accomplished like oh my god like i'm living in a wonderful time where we can tell these stories and they're uh, accessible you know and mm -hmm. like you said uh kristen that you forgot that we were raped and pillaged as like as a as a people because mm -hmm. the u.s was basically mexico at one point you know mm -hmm. like, so, I mean, these are things that they kind of gloss over in history class. And yeah. so for us to like be able to access these stories and share these stories as we read them and we're like, hey, you know, you got to read this book. It's so good. You know, um, I really just loved all the stories. I love the fact that they took some of like the kind of the fables that they they talked about, like um, like the stories that you tell orally throughout, the, you know, throughout years and years and years and uh -huh. how they adapted them to the comic book format and i just loved it I, I i was just like some of the like when they talk about the creator that's something that i learned from reservation dogs and one of the things that they said ho there that's also something that they say reservation dogs. <laughs> so i mean it's it's just I, I mean i just i had a big smile on my face reading it and i was just like as soon as i started again could not put it down i was like i gotta finish this it's so good um yeah. i like them all i I mean, I can go on. I I have notes about it. I really like the story with the white horse. Where, yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, white horse planes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yes. So basically, in the story, uh, there's three tribes. There's the um, there's the Shu Shu tribe, the Cree tribe, and the Asinboyness. Asin, I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, but there's some strife and some you know conflict in in their stories and such and um, um. In the end, they were trying to mend some um, some relationships by having the chief and the chief's daughter and another chief's son to get married, and they were gifted a white horse. But I love the fact that they bought the horse from Mexico, and uh -huh. they, the horse is called Diablo Blanco. Uh -huh. So I'm just like, guys, you should have had the name translated because this is not good news. <laughs> but um, no, it was just a, such a beautiful story. And the the end of it was just, I don't want to spoil the whole story, but the end of it, um, the bride's spirit is attached to the white horse. And the white horse basically is seen throughout mm -hmm. from then on, not haunting, but in not haunting at all, but in a way, the white horse spirit in the that it resides the bride 
resides within the white horse spirit. Um, she basically steers people who are lost and misguided into the right path. So if you see a white horse, guys, follow the white horse because it's <laughs> steering you in the right path. Um, there's uh, the one about the monster that if you looked at the monster in the eyes, you would turn into a monster as that well. That was my favorite one, the Rougarou. And we've actually read a quite a few of those stories recently because i recognize that name i was like didn't we didn't we read a story with a rougarou recently um yes. and so how yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah 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 oh that's right okay yeah. so um i really really enjoyed that one a lot and mm -hmm. it ended with some hope and then when the when the father actually revealed what had happened to his wife and the mother of the brother and sister who discovered the this rougarou in the forest was so heartbreaking um yes it was a whole full circle moment i yeah. totally loved it yeah mm -hmm. i i also love the compassion uh relationship between the adult father and the children mm -hmm. um i i it, it just seems so like evolved like just such an amazing relationship and such a love and care and compassion i i and that comes across in the art and also in the dialogue mm -hmm. for instance um the the young boy is uh, kind of afraid of death he he kind of fears it he doesn't like it um but the father says you know animals give us an important gift we should accept that gift with gratitude and i thought that's amazing like i if I ever come across a person who's like maybe like a vegan and tries to just school me about eating meat, <laughs> I'm just gonna say that animals give us a gift and we should accept them with gratitude. Uh huh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> or just say like I say, meat is murder. <laughs> yummy, yummy murder. <laughs> Yeah, no, I really, I'm really glad that I backed this. Um, um, oh, me too. Oh my gosh, yeah. love it. And it's and it's really, really good. And you can, it's not available on their website right now. Um, uh, but like I said, it is going to be available on like Diamond Comics and stuff like that because they did successfully launch it and it was like picked up again. So I believe, and they're going to be having it on their website soon, which is Iron Circus uh, Comics or just no, it's ironcircus.com. Uh, no funny spelling, just exactly how it is. Iron Circus. Yes. Um, uh, dot com. And like, uh, you can also buy uh, Girl with a Skull, uh, which we have reviewed before. And there are other uh, stories, which they have European, they have Oceanic, and they have, Asia, um, uh, I believe, East Asian stories. Uh, oh, that's up, cool. Uh, and um, uh, Girl with a Scroll is African stories. So right now those four are available on their website. And I'm pretty sure pretty soon they're going to have Women in the Woods up there as well. And this is Native American stories. Yes. And um, uh, the next one that they're going to be releasing that are actually kickstarting on their website, uh, not on Kickstarter, but like on their website, it's called The Lizard Prince and other South American stories. Uh, and it's pretty affordable. Like they have it right there up front when you go to their store. Uh, and you can back it uh for eight dollars. They've already hit their goal. Um uh, they've like they're it's for sure getting published, and they're probably gonna have more copies up on their uh store as well. But base pledge starts at eight dollars. 
uh, and you get the PDF. And then at $15, you get the paperback and the PDF copy. So it's super, super affordable. And they have um, uh, they have more options as well. But check it out. Definitely this book was an immediate hit for me. I really, really enjoyed reading it. Oh, absolutely. 100% agree. And I'm just really excited. I, I didn't talk about my favorite story. I'm just going to go briefly with it. But yes, please tell us. <laughs> my favorite story was By the Light of the Moon. Uh, mm. they, oh, the last one. Yes, yes. They were talking about. So there's these two divers that are having this conversation while they're diving. And um, they see how the plankton is glowing. It's bioluminescence, a chemical reaction. And then one of the divers like, I get it, it's science and stuff, but I like the story that my mom told me. Basically, the story, the story is a lot better, by the way. <laughs> so, yeah. so the moon falls in love with an octopus woman. Um, I love the science that is included within the story. So you kind of learn some science while he's telling the story, which mm -hmm. I really love. And so then he's telling the story about how the moon fell in love with an octopus woman and the octopus woman would come out uh, at moonlight and dance for the moon. And then uh, when she was done, she would just go back into her cave. And so the moon would blow kisses to the octopus woman and some of the sea creatures would absorb the light from the kisses uh, that he sent from his heart. And so that's what helped them glow. That's how come the plankton and certain animals glow in the sea. Because mm -hmm. the kisses from the moon um, were absorbed by them. And so they, that's why they glow. But I thought that was just, uh, and I know I'm, I'm not giving, I'm not showing it the, the just, uh, um, I mean, I know it, it doesn't sound as good <laughs> for me telling it, but when you read it, it just, it, it, it just combines so beautifully with the artwork Yeah, that I just could not verbally really explain it. You really have to get the book and actually read it yourself because, uh, that was one of my favorites and I love just, just the imagery and just, there's so much that has to be said from a, a bit of dialogue but mostly it's the art that just comes through to tell the story so uh, that was my favorite but um yeah are we actually ready to rate it yes yes so this is sarah and i'm gonna go first and i'm just gonna say that it has like the whole panaderia and a cup of champurrado because this was just so amazing and the fact that i understood some of the dialogue because i watch uh the show it just it just <laughs> I, I just thought that that made me so happy to understand it. Like sometimes things go over my head and it just felt so good to understand something and to, and also to relate to it as well. Yeah. And also the compassion of some of these stories and just this beautiful, like dialogue between people that comes across as very loving and caring and very just, just beautiful. So I, I, I love it. I, I, when I was reading it, I was just like, thank you, Jen. <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> that's my rating guys <laughs> all right so i will go next this is Kristen, and um i am very uh humbled i think by these stories um there are so many tribes um tribes recognized um and even maybe some who had were obliterated and just you know are gone now because of the colonization of uh america um but 
what you pointed out, Sarah, also resonated with me is that just the 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 compassion, the hope, um, the love that was reflected and shared in these stories. Um, to be honest, from somebody who is so cynical and salty all the time, and it, to come from a people who has have gone through so much who to this day are still suffering um, on their reservations or suffering from generational trauma um, to come up with this kind of um, folklore that they continue to pass on from generation to generation is just amazing. And so um, I also give it the whole panaderia. Um, I really enjoyed it a lot. I really loved it a lot. And um, if you read the bios of the creators, there are actually some trans creators and quite a few LGBTQ plus creators um, who are Native American um, uh, contributors to this book. And so um, to be able to give those creators a voice in this uh, in this format is just, I thought, really amazing. So uh, the whole panaderia for me. This is Jen, and I'm going to preface mine with if you really, really, Sarah, especially like Sarah, if you really, really like this one, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you read Ceremony uh, by, oh, what was her name? Uh, Leslie Marmon Silco. Uh, and this is, this is a book that I actually read recently in one of my summer classes, and it was uh, the whole like language and stuff like that, and how that you pointed it out. It was a really, really nice, deep examination of into because Leslie Marmon Silco herself uh, is a native uh, writer. And this book really gives perspective into Navajo and Pueblo people's uh, traditions and practices. Mm. Uh, and it was really, really good. So if anybody's interested in like, um, uh, or if you watch Reservation Dogs too, a really nice perspective into uh, Native American life and how it has adapted into the 20th and 21st century, I highly, highly recommend you read Ceremony by Leslie Marmon Selko. Uh, on that vein, I also highly recommend um, uh, Native American um, Stories by Zikala Se, and I also recommend uh, Life Among the Pawits by um, uh, Sarah Winnemucca and Life Among the Apache by John C. Cremony. Ask me. I know all the things, <laughs> but like this is all relevant because this is about like Native American folklore uh, and it's place in, uh, in current uh, times because this is Native American uh, stories and folklore is also American mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. stories yes. and folklore and it should be considered that yes. as well. Um, so I think this book is very, very important because I like this book was filled with like a lot of like uh, stories and that have been adapted to the modern times. And it also has the last story that you said was your favorite. It is an etiological myth, which means basically an etiological myth is basically one that explains, explains why things are in the world like they are. Like the story about how the rainbow exists because it's a promise between God and Noah that there'll never be another like big storm. That is an etiological myth uh, about how the rainbow was created. And that's how the last story was an etiological myth about how bioluminescence came into. And I always love those stories. Those are really, really great. Um, just like, uh, I hate to interrupt you, but just like how we know how now how the rabbit has a short tail 
because of one of the stories <laughs> yes, in the comic <laughs> yeah it tells us why the rabbit has a short tail as yeah. well and uh-huh. those are always fun because they're just they're usually like sometimes they're animal themed or they're very like heavily based on like gods or like spirits and stuff like that so they're always a lot of fun to read um but i'm also gonna give it i'm gonna give it the whole panaveria like tres conchas everything it was a very very a well curated and well drawn and well told story uh, of an anthology story. So it wins the whole panaderia for me. Uh, and I recommend you guys pick it up. All right, guys, now it's time for En La Libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? So today uh, we actually have Saints and Sinners on Indiegogo. And this is actually uh, from somebody that we know. It is um, um, an anthology of short stories featuring the most eclectic group of characters, the wandering Jew and Catholic boy, maniac priest, godson, demoniac, and Anna And it is uh, done by Javier Hernandez. So that is a familiar <laughs> name to us. <laughs> Very familiar. So he is using Indiegogo to kickstart. And I know I I've, I'm, I cannot say like Indiegogoing. It's going to be kickstarting <laughs> forever. That's, that's, that, that has now been included into the lexicon of language. But um, um, Javier is uh, kickstarting his project on Indiegogo. And he has... Um, uh, a flexible goal of $500 and he's currently at 100. So, uh, and he has 25 days left to go. You can uh, back uh, him at $5 and you get the digital edition of his uh, Saints and Sinners anthology series. And then at $15, and this is the early bird special deal. So you, if you want to get it like for cheaper, this is the option to go with. And at 15 uh, USD, you get um, the comic, a sticker, and a postcard. Uh, and then it continues going up from there. But this is basically Javier's um, uh, kind of anthology comic that he is uh, trying to, you know, get up and coming. Uh, and I think $500 is a totally achievable goal. That yeah, definitely. A lot of our listeners would be interested. You know, we love Javier and we love his work. Uh, and this seems really, really good. It's got his style because it is by him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, like, if you, if you love it, you know, if you love his work, which is definitely, like, uh, very, uh, what's the... Um, uh, eerie and like creepy style mm-hmm. kind of artwork you'll definitely want to take a look at this it's saints and sinners on indiegogo yes and you know what i love about uh javier he always refers to jen as jen de la muerte uh-huh. <laughs> because of my comment yes and i yeah. love that <laughs> So, yes, I'm so excited that he has this campaign. And I, you know what makes me even happier is that it's such a low threshold and goal. Like, I don't know how he came up with this $500 goal. Yeah. But yeah. I, I am so sure he's going to surpass it. His work is amazing. He has amazing 
people that he has supported throughout the years and he's a very big staple in the comic book latinx comic community he's yeah. been a, a, an amazing friend to las comadres y comics um he's always been just some, such an amazing friend to our podcast and we wish him all the best of luck and are excited about his campaign thank you jen for bringing that to uh in la libreria all right, guys, now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? So today I have for our listeners a very um, cool nonprofit organization called Comic Books for Kids. And you can find out all the information that you ever need to know about them at comicbooksforkids.org. They are a fully recognized nonprofit organization and they are an organization that actually gathers and um uh distributes comic books to children in the hospital um oh. so their mission is to uh Provide child-friendly comic books to children in hospitals and cancer centers across the U.S. and also in some places of Canada. In almost every case, um, these will come as new comics from the many publishers who support them. On occasion, they also provide unread warehouse overstock. And in all cases, they work within the medical facilities infectious disease policies. So um, you can go to comicbooksforkids.org and find out ways that you can actually help support them. So you can donate and um, you can donate uh, through PayPal. There is a PayPal button here. Um, and if um, you would like to donate $25, they share with you that that will allow them to ship books to between one and two hospitals. $50 allows them to ship books to two to three hospitals and a donation of 150 or more can put you, your name and a character image of your choice below on their wall of heroes. Ooh. So um, they get a lot of donations from publishing companies, um, but there's also a way that retailers can um, donate too. So if you happen to um, have an LCS that you um go to and have a good relationship with you can um, talk to them about coming to this website and donating um, to them as well and not only do they donate uh, do they take comic book donations but they take Funko Pop donations <gasps> what wow. awesome yeah so um, they have requests for Funko Pops um, a lot apparently and then they have to still be in new and in their box um, and they uh, they say that um, it's really kind of a fun cool thing for the kids to actually get um, a pop while they are in the hospital so um, there is a frequently asked question page uh, on the website, if you have any questions, there's probably a lot of different ways that you can uh, support this organization. But I always like to highlight uh, organizations that facilitate um, getting comic books to uh, groups of people that might not necessarily have easy access to them. So um, comicbooksforkids.org. That is super awesome. Um, that reminds me of uh, the time we interviewed uh, Daniel Calvo and how he was saying that um, that he, his introduction to comic books were kind of an organization like this where they would mm -hmm. bring comic books and have them in La Plaza and then he would get like 
really just random for issues and then read them and yeah. not really follow on the story. But he was just so happy uh, to just be able to access these comic books through some organization like this. So uh, and look makes, at him now. And look at him now. I mean, <laughs> I honestly, honestly, I feel like in the future, I'm going to say I knew him when because this guy, right. he's yeah. just he's freaking paving the path that he's just uh, she's just an amazing, amazing guy. But anyway, uh, it just goes to show how an organization like this can inspire an amazing future and just ignite that Im imagination. And I think things like that, when you involve kids, I think it's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. All right, guys, it's now time for saludos. And saludos goes out today to La Mascara y la Calavera. <laughs> so, Kristen. I love the gravitas that you <laughs> I just, whenever I can say something Halloween-y, I'm just for it. <laughs> so tell us more about our saludos, Kristen. So um, jumping off of um, our In La Libaria, um project we are um giving saludos to javier hernandez and rafael navarro um who are going to be continuing their la mascara y la calavera tour starting kicking off uh Heidi hill comics hispanic heritage month celebration on september 7th they will be there from 11 to 3 at Heidi Hill Comics in Santa Monica, and they will be there celebrating, uh, continuing to celebrate um, 49 uh, total years amongst them in the comic book industry. Rafael is celebrating 25 years of his title, Sonombulo, and Javier is celebrating 24 years of El Muerto. So um, I could not ask for any better of a team, of a duo to come in and kick off this celebration this month-long celebration at Heidi Hill Comics. Um, I, we will be celebrating um, three Wednesdays in a row with different Latin uh, X creators. And as the time comes, I'll share who the rest of the people who are coming. Um, and we will also be highlighting Latinx stories and creators uh, and characters on our display. So um, saludos to Javier y Rafael for helping Heidi Hill Comics to kick off an entire month of celebrating Latinx creators and characters at Heidi Hill Comics. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. Um, you guys can email us directly at comadrecomics at gmail.com. And you can find all of the information of our social media platforms on our website at comadrecomics.com. We're also on all or most, I think all of social media platforms. We're on YouTube where we conduct interviews and you have to check those out because they're so inspiring and everybody's journey into the comic book world is different. So definitely check that out. Like and subscribe. We are on TikTok. Uh, we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. Just hit us up. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. Thank you so much for listening. We have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. And that's on period. Network. <laughs>